Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK Weekly Podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy! We are embarking on a new series, and every time I get to, to preach, uh, I will be kind of like adding on parts to this series, uh, and uh, we want to take God's Word uh, seriously. We, wanna, we, we don't just want to listen, you know. I don't think you are here for an ethics lecture. This is not an ethics lecture, just in case you think this is an ethics lecture. This is not a motivational pep talk. Uh, uh, no, we're here to really uh, dive into God more. We're here to, to know Him, and, and not only know Him, but to allow the, the, the knowledge of God, the Word of God, to transform us. Uh, and that's what we're here for. And, and to do that, many times we've got to get into God's Word. Uh, and the, the thing is this, that when we get into God's Word, there are sometimes, uh, you know, where we love it. You know, we love it every time Jesus stands up for righteousness and He flips the table. That's always an interesting read. When He feeds the 5,000, when He walks on water, when He when he heals the blind and you know all the amazing stuff but how many know that and though Jesus didn't just perform miracles and 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 did you know uh, uh, good happy uh, messages like love your enemies and and you know seek ye first his kingdom his righteousness but but Jesus also had some uh, teachings that are a little bit tougher uh, tougher teachings of Jesus or more like tougher to swallow teachings of Jesus uh, and the reason why it's tough is not because Jesus is evil or he is giving us a task that's impossible. And the reason why it's tough is because it, it eats at us. It cuts at us. It's tough because we find it hard to receive and we find it hard to swallow. And so we, wanna, uh, we don't just want to pick and choose the parts of the Bible that are easy to follow. We, wanna, we want all of it. And so that's why we want to embark on this series. And, and last week, I, I told you guys to, 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 to pick a name. Uh, so apparently, uh, the, the name uh, is Tough Love. And so the overarching uh, series will be called Tough Love because apparently controversial Christ is too controversial. Uh, just in case you, you weren't here last week, that was what we were choosing between Tough Love or controversial Christ. Uh, and last week we talked about the passage of scripture where Jesus said, hey, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you will have no part in me. And, and that, at that time, you know, to uh, a culture that, that, you know, was so conservative, it was shocking. It was, it was almost like, Jesus, are you asking us to cannibalize you? And of course, we dug in deeper and we realized that, you know, to decipher all of Jesus' teachings, especially the tougher teachings, it's always to understand Jesus first. Amen. If you try to, to break apart his teachings, you'll only be confused and you'll end up in debates and so on and so forth. But when you get Jesus, you get his teachings. And so we learn that Jesus is the answer. Amen. And then we also learned last week, this is just a recap for those of you who were not here. Uh, uh, we also learned uh, that, you know, we, we seek to understand many times because we are kind of like knowledge-based creatures we, or we think we are. We want to understand, understand, understand. But Jesus is saying, no, I want you to believe. And, and it's always when you believe that you understand. Because when you understand, you, know, you don't need to believe because you understand. But when you believe, it will lead to understanding of the deeper things of God. And at the end of the day, God also says that, you know, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. If you understand everything, that's not faith anymore, that's fact. And so God is wanting us to remain in the realm of faith, in the realm of trust. Have faith, believe in me, and then you will understand. Amen? It's like a small kid, 
you know, always asking the parents, why, why, why? Don't cross the road. Why? Wait until the, the green man comes up. Why? You know, and sometimes we are like that. We, compared to God, we are so finite. We're so small. We think just because we have, I don't know, a Cambridge degree or Oxford master's that, that we've, or PhD, whatever, uh, that we know it all. But the truth is this, that compared to God, we are like a worm. And so sometimes God is just asking us to believe. Amen? Just like how a parent asks a child to trust, you know? One day you will understand the concept called traffic light. One day you'll understand the concept of the red man and the green man and, and, and when to cross the road and left and right and cars, but right now, believe. Amen? And of course, we said that ultimately the message last week was, was you know, Jesus addressing our insatiable hunger. We always have a hunger. All of us, humanity, we're constantly hungry. Hungry for success. Hungry for control. Hungry for peace. Hungry for wealth. Hungry for a, a sense of mastery of our own destiny. But God is saying that, hey, you hunger and you eat and you fill your life with, with all sorts of trash and it only leads to more emotional baggage. It only leads to more trauma. Amen? And if you're ever wondering how do I handle all this excess weight uh, that I'm carrying, don't worry, uh, you, you just need to go back in time or go back to our podcast and listen to another message I preached earlier called Pain Management, which is about bringing your, your, your weight to Jesus. Man, it looks like as if I've planned this out. Anyway, you know, and we talked about how the key is really on feasting on Jesus. Because the thing is this, that, you know, we, as long as we're still walking on planet Earth, we are, we're corrupted beings. One day we will see God face to face and we'll be reborn, remade, and there will no longer be this element in our lives called the flesh. The flesh is this part of us that's the most selfish, the most evil. Have you been there before? The flesh is the one. You want to know how the flesh sounds like? The flesh is the one that tells you to press the snooze button for five more minutes. That's the flesh. And you just encountered the flesh this morning. The flesh is the one that, that tells you, even though you know you, you you, you should be watching your weight and you shouldn't have more dessert. The flesh is the one that says tiramisu sounds very good right now. That's the flesh. Oh, no, I'm just using more harmless terms. But the flesh is also the part that rebels against God. Uh, and, and even though we know Jesus, even though we know God and we desire to please Him, uh, there is a hunger within us that wants to rebel, wants to be our own master. And Jesus is saying that every time that hunger comes up, you know, how many of you have, have had uh, your stomach growl at you before? How many have been there before where you're so hungry that your stomach starts growling? And sometimes the flesh growls. The, the, the fleshly hunger growls. And Jesus is saying that every time that growls, don't feed it what it demands. Feed it with me. Feed on God's promises. Feed on God's goodness. Feed on the love of Jesus who gave it all for us. Every time you feel insecure and, 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 and you're the insecurity comes rumbling, you know, like, like a hunger pang, saying that, you know, you're, 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 you're so insecure, you got no friends, quick, quick, post something on social media so that you can feed on that like. And maybe some people will like us and maybe that feeds our ego for a little bit, but then we get hungry again. Oh no, only 20 likes. You know, yesterday there was 50 likes. No, no, I need to, you know, do, do you know what I'm saying? And so God is saying that there's this hunger within you, but don't feed it, you know, with more social media. Media, don't feed it with more sleep. Don't feed it with all these other things. Feed it with God's love. Every time you don't feel love, feed yourself with that 
no, I am loved by God. He calls me his beloved. You know, he died for my sins. Even before I was born, he knew me by name. Amen. You know, every time you feel like, you know, everything is that can go wrong is going wrong. You know, don't just give in to the chaos. Don't try to worry your worries away. You know, so many of us, we believe in the power of negative thinking. The more negative we are, we can almost negative out the negative. But how many know that when you negative the negative, it only becomes positive. It's a math joke. Don't worry about it. And so, you know, so it doesn't, you know, when you just add negative to negative, it, the negativity just increases. But God is saying, no, feed yourself with my goodness, with my presence. Amen. That was just last week. Today, I want to continue us in, in another passage of scripture. So if you're taking down notes today, uh, the title of today's message is called How to Hate Your Parents. How to Hate Your Parents. If you thought that was tricky, originally I wanted it to be titled Hate Speech, but that was a little bit too controversial. Uh, we'll, we'll read this short passage of scripture, and then we, you will know, okay, why, why? Because this is one of the things, again, you know, we read this before, and sometimes we just go like, ah, whatever, you know, and it's so dangerous. When we read the teachings of Jesus, and when we don't understand it, or it doesn't quite sync with our 21st century normalcy, we think to just, you know, scrub it off. But no, don't scrub off the Word of God. Amen? So Luke chapter 14, verse 25 to 27. Just a short few verses for us this morning. Luke 14, 25 to 27. You know, the summer is this, Jesus is walking, there's a crowd following, he turns around, he gives a speech about hate. And then we are learning from that. Amen? Even though it's titled, Hate Your Parents, but the hate goes so much more deeper. But we will uncover it, unpack it, and learn from it. Amen? If you're there, can you hear a good amen? Luke 14, verse 25 to 27. Uh, uh, three Bible study tools that I'm throwing out there that we will be using every week as we unpack some of these uncomfortable uh, or tough love passages uh, is that we ask ourselves three questions. What does this tell us about Jesus? What does this tell us about who we are? Because the problem is with our flesh, who we are. Amen. And so if we can address that problem, we, we can apply the word of God. And of course, point number three or question number three is how do I apply this to my life today, to our lives today? And this is a good kind of like tool for us to use every time we read the gospels. What did I just read? This miracle, this, this, this sermon that Jesus preached. What does this tell me about who Jesus is, about who I am, and how do I live this out? And so we will also be using these three tools to dissect this passage of scripture and the answers will be our three take-home points for today. Amen. So let's read. Now great multitudes went with him and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Wow. Tough words of Jesus. You know, even physical Bible, underline the, the words, you know, if anyone comes to me, underline me, does not hate, underline hate. And of course, the last part of verse 27, if he does not bear his cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple, underline disciple. Amen. And so these are the three things we want to focus on, right? So let's go to me. What does this tell us about Jesus, right? The answer is this. Jesus is first priority, not a supplement. 
Jesus, there's only one place. Jesus is saying that if you, if you truly want to follow me, there's only one place. I am to be your all-consuming priority, not a supplement. I am not an add-on. I am not an option. So if you think I'm an option, I'm not interested. If you think I'm an add-on, you will not have the fullness of me. It is, it is all or nothing. And, and this sounds like tough, but, but Jesus is serious. And, and this is reflected not in this short speech that he gave, but earlier on, can I turn you to a little bit more scripture? In the same chapter, Luke chapter 14, verse 16 to 24. Luke 14, 16 to 24. We read 25 to 27. So let's read this little parable that he gave before that so that we understand, right, in context, what Jesus is really getting at. And you can see the consistency in his teaching. Then he said to him, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. How many of us have been there before? God is saying that I want to move in your life, but we're making excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a big piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask that you have me excuse. Or in modern day terms, you go like, oh, Jesus, thanks for the invite to your big party. But you know what? I just, I just bought a new house. You know, I just put out a down payment for this new build in, I don't know where, you know, Collindale. And, 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 and I'm going to go check it out. You know, the interior designer's coming. You know, we're, we're, we're going to just, you know, check out the facilities. That's why he said. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excuse. Jesus, you don't understand. You know, I just bought a brand new Lamborghini and, you know, I just, I just need to rev it. Jesus, you understand, right? Jesus, you understand, right? Lamborghini, I've been saving up for so long, you know. I need to try it out. Still another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Jesus, I'm on my honeymoon. You know, why are you so inconsiderate? Why do you plan your party on, on my wedding? Come on, I can't come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, how I many know that God can be angry? Said to his servant, sometimes you forget, God can be angry. He's slow to anger, but he can be angry. Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor, the maimed, and the lame, and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you have commanded. Still, there is room. How many know that God's desires for a full house? God's desires for all to come to know him and none to perish. Then the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them. Wow. Compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. Wow. Who needs horror movies when you have the Bible. <laughs> Jesus here is saying that if I invited you and you're giving me excuses, that's it. You're not invited. And this is where we understand when Jesus means business, he means business. He is to be first priority, not a supplement. And Jesus is saying that if, if, you, if you don't hate, and, and why did Jesus use the word hate? We'll go into that in a while, but the word hate here in, in, in Greek where the you know, Gospel of Luke was originally you know, written in, it's pronounced miseo, miseo, or miseo, and it means to detest, right? To detest, to hate, to be hostile against, but it also means to love less or to esteem less. And so God is saying that 
you know, I'm not against you getting married. I'm not against you owning land. I'm not against you having oxen. But if you love those, if you prioritize those more than you do me, then when you're not really my disciples. You're not really my followers. I don't really know you. And this is such a wake-up call because in our modern-day living, we, we are constantly pampered with comfort. And we're constantly, if we're not careful, we're const- Jesus becomes an addition. You know, when, when people look for church, they're always, oh, I want to look for a church that's near me. I want it to have good preaching. It's always, it's never just Jesus. It's always Jesus and something. And, and we get this all the time. Oh, maybe, you know, maybe this therapy for me. I get this all the time. When people come in and say, oh, oh, pastor, okay, too young. So Jesus is not enough. Jesus and an old pastor. And then for some people, it's like, oh, pastor, too old. So, okay, so Jesus is not enough. The gospel is not enough. The cross is not enough. So it must be Jesus plus a young, hip, relevant pastor. Oh, this church, no, too Asian. Oh, so I guess it's Jesus is not enough. Jesus plus United Colors of Benetton. And we laugh, but the truth is this, in our own lives, don't we do it? How many times have we sacrificed Jesus and put our own careers first? How many times have we gone like, you know what, you know, I love Jesus, but Jesus, you understand, right? You know, my friends invited me, you know, free tickets to Hamilton. 11 a.m. show on Sunday. I get to meet the cast and crew. Jesus, you understand, right? And Jesus says, no, I don't understand. And if you even think that I understand, you're not my disciple. That's the Jesus we worship. The last thing I want is for us to worship a fake Jesus. And we think that this Jesus is all for me. No, no, this Jesus, because he loves you, he will challenge you. And because he loves you and knows how weak we are, he will get in our faces and says that you cannot. You think you can handle multiple things, you can't. And you need me more than you realize. I need to be your number one priority. You know, not a supplement. It's got to be Jesus is more than enough. We sing that all the time, but do we live it? Or is it Jesus and a job? Or is it Jesus and a roof? Or is it Jesus and a husband? Jesus and a wife? Jesus and a kid? And the moment you don't get that kid, you don't get that promotion, you don't get that, that whatever it is, that relationship, that holiday, that comfort, that dream, then Jesus is certainly not real. Friends, let's never be like that. Amen? The second thing we're going to ask ourselves is this. What does this tell us about who we are? The answer is this. We want to be members, but God wants us to be disciples. Let's flesh up that short scripture we read earlier on, verse 25 to 27. In that short passage, Jesus mentions disciples twice. What is he looking for? Church membership? Is he looking for a crowd? Jesus is not into crowd. Jesus is not, you know, he wants a full house, don't get me wrong, but he wants a full house of disciples. Right there, you see, you know, in verse 26 and 27, you cannot be my disciples. Whoever does not bear the cross and follow me cannot be my disciples. What is Jesus looking for? Just more followers? But that's what we want, right? Oh, I just want to be a church member. I just want to be part of a crowd. But Jesus is saying that, I, I want you to be my disciple. What does a disciple mean? Disciple means that someone 
who takes the teachings and the life of Jesus seriously. And not only seriously as in like, I, I really believe in this, but so seriously that, that they want to live it out. They want to duplicate it. We sang the song, I want to I be like you, Jesus. I want to see the world like you do. How many of us would say, God, I want, the, I want my life, I want to be a duplicate. As God made us in his image, Jesus, I want to be a walking copy of you. And, and, and so many people in this world desperately need to know that there is a God and that God loves them and his name is Jesus. And the problem is, they might not read the Bible, but they'll read you. So the question is, what are you letting them read? If your life is an open book, does it have Jesus in it? Are you just a member? Jesus is not into membership. Jesus is about discipleship. In fact, even in Acts, a little bit of our church DNA, we don't really do church membership, we do church partnership. Because they say, if you want to be part of this church, partner with us to bring the gospel to the four corners of the world. But don't just come in here because membership is such a dangerous word. It, it denotes a certain sense of entitlement. Oh, I'm a, or, or worse, a certain sense of exclusiveness. Oh, I'm a member of that club. Are you a member of that club? Are you a member of the always get upgraded to business class for free club? Are you part of the, I don't know what, but that's not what God is. He's into disciples. And the problem is so, so many of us, we say that, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian, but you know, I'm not that kind of Christian. As if there's multiple Christians. And, and you know exactly what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian, I believe in God, but you know, I'm, I'm not that kind of Christian. I still have a bit of fun. I don't take the word of God literally. Jesus understands. Or worse, we start, you know, using names. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I love Jesus, but I'm not like Pastor Cat who gave her a career to move to another country to plant a church. I mean, pff, who does that? <laughs> Hello? Give me my promotion. Who would give up, you know, opportunity to be a, a partner at a prestigious law firm to, to leave everything, to start as zero and come in here to a country that technically Malaysia practices common law that came from the UK, but so many of her interviews, she went there, she gets asked a question, is your English Okay. In Malaysia, you guys do common law, right? And, 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 and you guys today, so many of us will see her and go like, wow, you know, wow, she's out there making a difference in the marketplace, but you were not there at the times where she went to interviews and get rejected and felt discriminated against. All for the gospel. And there are times where she probably thought, you know, if only I stay in Malaysia, I'll be driving a BMW right now. And say I'm taking the tube. God bless the tube. Nothing wrong with the tube. But you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Why? Discipleship. How many of us here would say yes to discipleship? Come on, church. The world doesn't need more flaky Christians. Jesus doesn't need more flaky Christians. He had a lot of people following him. Jesus is never about quantity. It's about quality. So he's turned to them, unless you love me like that. Don't, don't be associated with me. Don't be my disciple. 
But so many of us, we say that I want, I want Jesus, I want all of His love, but I still want my own freedom to do as I please. You know what the Bible calls that? It calls it lukewarmness. And Jesus, it's not part of today's message, but in Revelations, Jesus says, I rather wish that you were hot or cold because of your lukewarmness, I'm going to spit you out. Same Jesus who says, let the children come to me. I really hope that when we come to church, every time we gather, I pray that we are desiring for more of God and that more of our old selves will be chipped away. Amen. Point number three is this. How do we apply this to our lives today? How do we apply this? Can we, do we literally go back now and say, hey, is that, is that what's going to happen? When we invite people to accept Jesus, are we going to say, dear Lord Jesus, repeat after me, church, say, dear Lord Jesus, dear Lord Jesus, thank you, thank you for dying on the cross for me, for dying on the cross for me. I now, I now say I hate my father. What? <laughs> I hate my father. Uh, Pastor, are you sure? And mother, and wife, and husband, and children. Oh, this, this is a cult. This is a cult. <laughs> and brothers, and sisters, you're out. <laughs> and even his own life. That's the fullness of it, right? So how do we live that out? Do we just therefore now disown our parents? No, that's not what it means. What God wants us to do is this. The answer is this. We need to respond emotionally to God. You see, Jesus is saying that I need to be your number one priority I'm looking for disciples, but I'm also looking to connect with you emotionally. Of all the words Jesus used, why did he use hate? Hate is a strong word, but do you know what else is hate? It's an emotional word. Hate is not an intellectual thing. It's an emotional thing. I hate it. Why? I don't know. Yay. And so what is God trying to stir up? He says, unless you connect with me with a visceral, emotional level, we're not really connecting. And so that's the first thing we got to understand. We, God wants our emotions. And, and He wants not just our emotions, but He wants our love. Because the word hate, like I said, it's not just about vilifying or, or you know, detesting. It's also about loving less. And so God is, is going down a list. I want, you know, and, and, and Jesus knew what he was doing because he was talking to a culture at that time and that was so family-centric. Family was it. You know, some of us, we grew up in a similar culture. Family is it. And, and Jesus is, is attacking that, that, that sense of identity, that, 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 that comfort level, and says that, no, if you love your family more than me, we're not, we're not good. And not only that, it goes down. And so what is God trying to say? Let's just go on level by level. There is an emotional expectation. Don't, don't ever 
Some, a lot of us, when we come to church, we, we like to say that, no, 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 church is a holy place. It's not a place I show emotion because, you know, I, I worship God in silence. No, but that's not the God of the Bible. That's your God. That's the God of your imagination and your tradition. That's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is noisy. Look at the Old Testament. Lots of celebration. Lots of sacrifice. Lots of dancing as well. And Jesus is saying that, I want you to connect. Some of us here, we, we, we sing louder at a Coldplay concert than in church. And Jesus is saying that, and, and you love me? Chris Martin died for you, or is it Jesus Christ that died for you? Some of us, we, right? And then we come to church, we're timid like a mouse. But at work, ooh, they know you as the shark. Right? You negotiate. And you go like, no, this is how we're going to do it. You're fired. But in church, you'd be like, oh, no, I'm just, I'm just a quiet person. You know, I'm just, no, I can't really sing. I can't really sing. I'm not, about, I'm not about singing. And yet, when your favorite team scores on football, you scream. Oh, no, I, no I, don't know, I don't know the song. Such a new song. I don't know how to sing this. I don't know how to sing this. And yet, you take the time to, to memorize your your favorite, I don't know, uh, the uh, football team player. If I ask you to name the 12 apostles, you can't. If I ask you to name the members of Avengers, you, you give it to me in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> Hawkeye. He's an apostle, right? And God is saying that, no, I want you to be emotional. I want you to love me with a, with a love that, that honors like how you honor your parents. Uh, please don't misunderstand, friends. <laughs> Even as we're talking about hate your parents, <laughs> maybe some of you here, you don't have a good relationship with your parents. This is by no means justifying <laughs> your family going like, oh, wow, I feel so encouraged today. <laughs> you know, this is the one command that I'm already living up before I came to know Jesus. Hating them, still hating them. No, that's not what it means. It means this. I want you to love me more than you love your parents. And you should love your parents. Even though Jesus is using the word hate, but you should love your parents. And, and, but when was the last time you, 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 you love God with, with a type of, of, of honor that you give your parents? Some of you here, you, you, you love your parents so much. There's so much honor. You know, you work and you send money back. God bless you. Some of you, you're so good, you, you, you treat your parents so well, you, 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 know, you, you, you prepare a place for them to live with you. It's amazing. There's so much honor. But what, what about God? What about God? And then Jesus goes on to say that your father, your mother, your wife, do you know that we love each of these with a different type of love, don't you? You love your, your dad with an you know, honor type of love. You know, you go like, Dad, I love you. But then when it comes to mom, you say, Mom, I love you. You know, it's, it's different. And so God is saying that I want you to love me with more honor than you love your father. 
I want you to love me with more tenderness than you love your mother. Mothers just have a special place in our heart, don't we? Right? That's why we can watch movies and you know, the, the stereotypical Italian hitman can kill everyone, but you know, don't, don't say anything bad about his mother. Because there's this tenderness about what about wife or husband, spouse, loved ones. There's a certain romantic love that's really sweet. Have you seen couples in love before? You know, there's a sweetness, there's a purity to that. And God is saying that, would you love me like that? Love me with honour, love me with tenderness, love me with, with romance. This by no means asking you to say, oh, okay, I'm going to, you know, <laughs> I'm marrying Jesus. No, but there's a certain, you know, romance. Romance comes with poetry, comes with, you know, it's, it's romantic love is a crazy kind of love, isn't it? Right? How many of you are in relationships before and, and you've done some crazy things for the, for the other person? Right? You, 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 you bought last-minute tickets to fly across the world to surprise them, maybe. Or you, you know, spend all your savings to buy them a diamond ring to propose. Where's that sweetness? When was the last time you loved God with a crazy kind of love? Because I know He loves you with, with a crazy kind of love. To leave heaven, to come to earth, to take on your mess and die on the cross, that's a crazy kind of love. And then your wife, your spouse, your children. How many of you are so precious with the little ones? You're so protective. When was the last time you, you loved God with a protective love? I'm, gonna, I'm not going to let anything come that's what you do for children isn't it you see them crawling being all very cute and then the moment they go near danger you rush in you can be holding your your ipad but you drop it you can be holding your phone you drop it if you see your child about to get rammed over by a car because they were playing too near a street you drop everything you have and you grab that child you protect them with your life when was the last time you were that protective over your faith Or are we allowing the world to, to move things around? Come on, Christians. There's some people who don't know Jesus. They desire for a God and they don't know His name is Jesus. And yet they have no problem setting time aside. Don't touch my Fridays. Because that's sacred. When was the last time you were so protective over the sacredness of Jesus? Brothers and sisters, of course, I believe this goes on to talk about friendship as well, not just siblings. But you know what I'm saying, when was the last time you invested in some, you know, let's talk about friends for a while. We love hanging around friends. We love just being with friends. How many of you have some good friends where you can just sit next to each other and not say a single word and still feel like you're connecting and vibing? Yeah? And when was the last time you did that with Jesus? When was the last time you just sat 
No words mentioned. Yeah, I'm just chilling with Jesus and enjoying it and not falling asleep. Brothers and sisters, that's a real bond, isn't it? So God is, God is more than, do you see the many layered teachings of Jesus? He's more than asking you to love less, but He's asking you actually to love more. Grant me more honour, more tenderness, more romance, more preciousness, more protectiveness. Because you know why? Because He gives it to us in a heartbeat. And we know today, living after resurrection, that Jesus did all of this. And of course, last but not least, and His own life. Because, you know, how many know that some, some people wonder if the Bible is the Word of God? It is the Word of God because it's living. How can something that was spoken 2,000 years ago be so relevant today? Unless it's from the eternal mouth of God. Because do you know... <laughs> We live in one of the most narcissistic and self-absorbed culture right now. And Jesus, even back then, is saying that, yeah, love, 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 and love me more than you love yourself because I know you humans, you are self-absorbed. But would you, when was the last time you were God-absorbed? When was the last time you were Because most of the times, the love that we give to ourselves is an obsessive kind of love. We obsess either over our looks, right? We can spend hours in front of a mirror, we can spend a lot of money buying the latest clothes and fashions because we obsess over our look. Or, on the other hand, we obsess over our failures. And then we spend, you know, decades nasal-gazing, going like, oh, why did I do that, you know, and still come from living our past trauma because there's an obsession. And God is saying that, would you obsess over me more than you obsess over your life? That's what God wants. And my hope and my desire is that we take the teachings of Jesus and go like, God, I want to I live this out today. And it starts by learning to be emotional. When I say emotional, I'm by no means saying that, you know, you, you let your emotions dictate. No, no, no. In, in, it's the other way around. Our emotions should never dictate our worship of God. But God should always dictate our emotions. And so, you know, God is saying that, I want you to obsess over me. I want you to, when it comes to the things of God, I want you to love me or fear me. But come on, be emotional about it. The next time you come for worship, it's not just some, some songs. This is a proclamation of truth of the God who loves us. When we live for each other. Do, do you know that when you begin to read the Word of God with some emotion, when you read the Word of God, don't just be like some, you know, text speech AI going like, you know, now great multitudes with him and he turned and said to them, no, don't do that. But come on, invest in some emotions. Read it and allow it to come alive. Worship him with emotion. Serve him with emotion. Yeah, I might not feel like it, but you know what? God is worth it. Amen. Now, this can sound very hard to do, and so I just have one quote to kind of like help us to wrap it up, and then we're going to spend some time worshiping and allowing God to help us process, because the best way 
is, you know, after this kind of message is to really just say, God, I just want to come back to you. God, I want, I want you to be first priority in my life again. God, I want, and I don't want it more than just, let it be more than just words. God, I want to be a disciple. I want to follow. When I read the word of God, I don't want this to be a suggestion. I want this to be life-changing. I want to model my life after this. And God, help me now to be emotional in my response to you. Lord, when your word pricks me, Lord, I want to feel it. I want to cry. I want to, I want to live for you. Lord, when I see broken people, I, I want my heart to be broken because I know that your heart is constantly moved with compassion. That's what Jesus is after. And this beautiful quote by C.S. Lewis that he wrote, compiled in the collection called Letters of C.S. Lewis, it says this, When I've learned to love God, Better than my earthly dearest, I shall love my earthly dearest better than I do now. In so far as I learn to love my earthly dearest at the expense of God, I shall be moving towards the state in which I shall not love my earthly dearest at all. But when first things are put first, second things are not suppressed but increased. It is in loving God with our all that we have the capacity to love others. And it is in, in a way, hating our parents that we, in pursuit of God, that we end up loving them more. And so this double-edged thing is, because if you can love God with your all, then and, and worship the Father you can't see, then you will have a new love for the Father that you can't see. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your word. And God, this is a tough thing. And many times, God, we read this and we just easily glaze over and says, oh, it just means, Lord, you're asking us to just love you more, love you more, love you more than our parents. But God is so much more than that. Because in it, it's a call to prioritize you above all else. In it, it's a call to discipleship and not just to be a face in a crowd. And in it, is an instruction for us to respond and to connect with you in an emotional level because Lord you are worthy Lord you are worthy you are so worthy you are worthy of us laying down our lives you are worthy of us singing until our voice croaks you are worthy of every tear you are worthy of every sacrifice you are worthy so worthy and so God we pray that today's word will help us to follow you like never before will help us to love you like never before
will help us to fear you like never before. Will help us to worship you like never before. Lord, this morning we pray. Lord, do a new work within us. Lord, if 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 we've made you a supplement, forgive us, forgive us. And Lord, right now we cast aside every false idol in our lives. And Lord, we say, Lord Jesus, you, you are more than enough. God, if we've just been following according to our own convenience, then God, forgive us today. We repent. And we, Lord, we say you're not looking for just more numbers. You're looking for disciples who can represent you, who in turn can reach others for you and show them that there is a God and He is real and He loves us and His name is Jesus. For everyone who can't read the Bible, Lord, help us to be disciples that that when they read our lives, they can see you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.actschurch.uk. God bless.